Hi, Andrea. I am so happy that you're here because we can talk about a totally different angle when it comes to finances and women, especially when they go through this super difficult process, which is divorce, right? Even if you are the one that decides to get divorced, it can be pretty emotional, right? But before we jump into that, um, I want to know a little bit more about you. Please tell us about uh, more about you and how, um, you know, like your trajectory and how you have become where you are today. Yeah, you know, I went through my own divorce about a decade ago. And I think there's sort of an interesting thing that happens, especially for women like myself who are stay-at-home moms, where you feel the financial vulnerability almost immediately. And so your first you know, effort is how do I make sure that I get a settlement out of my divorce that will support me going forward? And then as you start moving into that, I just, in fact, met with somebody recently that reminded me this person that you're relying on for the settlement might lose their job. So now you're double vulnerable, right? And so it's interesting. I went through the same process that many of your listeners probably did too, which is where you're going, how do I make sure I've got my own back? How do I make sure I can pay my bills, even if my former partner can't pay his or hers? And so as I was going through that, I was also looking for what's going to give me maximum time with my kids and what is going to connect with me in a way that gives me energy rather than drains me. And I feel like all those factors play in for a lot of women after divorce, right? We want to be with our kids. We want to make enough money. We want to feel secure. And sometimes those feel like competing interests. And so I'm super grateful that I was able to transition my own background in social work into helping women move through divorce and recover well and make beautiful two address families because that was my own journey. So just to backtrack a little bit, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you were a stay at at home mom. So at that, at that time that all of that happened, you were not working, even though you had your, your degree and your background in social work. Right. Uh, was that a choice, you know, that you decided because of your kids? Tell us yeah. a little bit more about that. And yeah, it definitely was. That. That's something that um, that is pretty common. So, yeah, no, it was definitely a conscious choice. Uh, when my children's dad and I, you know, had kids, we were very conscious that I wanted to stay home with them. I wanted to be with them in those early years in a day-to-day kind of way. I didn't feel vulnerable at that time. I felt that our marriage was very much intact and going to support me through that and that we were a team and a partnership. But then when I started to see the fractures, that's when I started to get really worried and I needed to step back into a career that I had left. If you don't mind me asking, what fractures were are you talking about? Sure. Well, there was a there was a moment where um, it was in the middle of July, actually, and my daughter had just turned two, and we had a conversation, and my former partner said to me, "Something in me has disconnected from you, and I'm not sure if I can get it back." And it was kind of a weird moment. I call it the proclamation of disconnection. (laughs) I was like, well, what is it? And are you working on getting it back? And are we good? And, uh, 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 And that sort of led to a really long couple of years of wondering if we were going to be able to put it back together, whether that was through therapy, counseling, you know, trips, we were kind of throwing everything at the wall. 
And those fractures kept exposing me more and more to the fact that this thing I thought that would never happen to me, divorce, is about to happen to me. And so that's when I had to return to the workforce and really start to juggle all the pieces again. Okay, so you returned to the workforce before you actually uh, filed for divorce or started the divorce process. You know, I think that the, that I did start going back into the workforce prior to the paperwork being completed. It might have already been filed, but there was definitely a sense of I've got to start getting some structure to my life and some way to start investing in myself so that I'm not left completely hanging when this thing closes out. And how was that transition? You know, like from brutal. Okay. Brutal. <laughs> In every way, it was a whole new level of exhaustion. It was a whole new level of details. I mean, your your listeners and, and viewers understand your brain goes vacant during a period of time when you're getting a divorce. It doesn't matter how smart you are, or how together you are, you kind of lose it for a little bit. And here I was, first of all, losing it. Second of all, going back into the workforce. Third of all, trying to figure out where did Microsoft Word hide the copy and paste buttons? Like that everything had changed since I was last there. So I was just like, I'm a complete failure. I can't do this. Oh. I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious. My kids are having a hard time transitioning to me not being around as much. It was a mess is a compliment. It was a total mess for me. Yeah. And and again, you know, this is a lot of women. The reason I'm asking you is because this is 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 not foreign. Right. A lot of women, unfortunately, goes through this, but they think that they are the only one that are going through it. Right. Yes. So that's why I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about that. And then um, what changed? Um, Yes, you were getting divorced, but what changed when you started going back to the workforce? Well, the, the, the routines and the rhythms of my family changed, but really a huge part of my mindset had to change because most of what I felt in heading back to the workforce was no, I don't want to do this. I have to do this. This isn't the way it should be. I don't like it this way. And it was almost like any forward motion I had to sort of get going. I was making it harder on myself by my refusal to sort of align myself with what was going to happen anyway. It was just like a, okay, you know, like this pulling in the opposite directions. And so I had a really hard time getting traction in that direction because I didn't have a vision of what a great life looked like, divorced, working and raising kids. It felt like this isn't something I can even imagine being beautiful. Therefore I'm going to resist it every step of the way. Okay. And then uh, besides, so how did the healing process started with you? Because it seems that at that moment, you were just focusing on like, hey, I need to go back to work. I need to do this because I need to take care of my kids. Uh, you know, like things are going to change. My ex-husband no longer have a job or cannot, is not going to be able to give me that settlement that I was expecting. Did you have even any time to process this and to heal and, you know, like, and see how you were going to manage your finances and manage your new life and all of that. Yeah. I don't know that there was necessarily time to heal. Although uh, I didn't sleep very well during that time, which I know is common for a lot of people. And my body would wake me up at four or 4.30 in the morning. And I would walk down to my kids call it the polka dot prayer chair. And I would sit in it and I would journal the heck out of 
this little notebook. And I wrote every single thing that was going wrong. I wrote every piece of rage, everything I was trying to understand, tips I could give myself on how to handle just one more day. And I think that commitment, even though it was sort of a reluctant commitment because I didn't want to be up at 4.30 in the morning, that commitment really opened me to the healing you're talking about, that it wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to find peace and healing in my circumstances. I was going to find it in what I was going to bring to the circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how was the transition? Uh, because you've been divorced, what, 10 years now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was the, the transition when it comes to money and how, um, you know, have you have been able to become a smart woman with money, uh, you know, this day? Yeah, you know, I think I probably had a little bit of uh, deferential money smarts. I mean, I grew up with an uh, accountant father oh. and, and very wise grandparents who were always enforcing good money habits for me. But I think what really happened for me financially was needing to get my priorities and my money aligned. And that was really overwhelming to me at first because I, everything, you know, when you say like what matters most, well, it's the house, it's the car, it's the vacations, it's the kids' education, all of it's a priority. Everything matters. And when you have the luxury of extra money, it all can matter. But when you get more restricted and you have less to work with and you're frightened that it might not be there even the next time that you're supposed to get your monthly payment, priorities look a lot different. So for me, it meant really looking at the long game and going, where do I need to be 10 years from now in order to have a life that I want to live in and that I can sustain independent of whether or not my former partner makes any payments to me? Not that he was going to, you know, sort of shirk his responsibilities. It was my own sense of, I don't want to be that vulnerable. I need to be able to count on me. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And now you help other divorced women. How did that come about? Well, you know, I, during my divorce, I really walked through that in a way that was a little bit different than most people did. And I was very clear. I did not want to end up looking jaded, bitter, resentful, tied, stuck, all those things. We all know that person. And I was really committed to not going there. And so as I was sort of dealing with the, the, the trade-offs that had to happen as a result of that, I started to collect people around me who thought that was a very interesting path. And they started encouraging me to step into coaching and to helping other people to try to create beautiful two-address families. And so it, it sort of naturally emerged. And I've, I've since then written a book called The Best Worst Time of Your Life, Four Practices to Get You Through the Pain of Divorce. And that book really helped to open the door to sharing my voice more widely and really connecting with women. And I think that's part of what also needed to shift. When I went back to my original career, it was in affordable housing. So I would finance housing for lower income families. And it was a passion of mine from when I in college and I sort of carried it through. And then there was a point where it wasn't the thing anymore. It, it didn't it, it, it didn't light me up in the same ways. And I kept full, feeling this pull toward helping people recover from divorce in a way that was original, full of deep peace and deep freedom, where people are relaxed around their former partner, where they feel confident that they can handle what's going on and where they don't become this sort of ugly statistic of a, a resentful, jaded woman. 
That's great. And uh, yeah, that's a great book. So anyone that, you know, that is going through this or still have those feelings, right, uh, inside, rooted inside, I totally recommend uh, for them to read your book. Uh, that way they can, you know, like start that transition, right? And thank you. Yeah. It's about um, getting a new identity, right? Or who do they want to be? right? Do they want to be that resentful women and hating this person for the rest of their life and make their life miserable? Or do they want to like create a new identity and, and say, what's going to be better for me, right? And, and yeah. what's my new life going to look like? Yeah. And, and what do I need to incorporate as part of my reality. And some of the work that I do with people is on learning their former partner's operating system, because we spend a lot of time getting frustrated that our former partner is being the person they've always been. Letting us down, not showing up, not engaging, overreacting, putting us, whatever it is, they've given you typically years of data on what it is they're going to do next to bother you. (laughs) The trick is how do we create a boundary and a space where that hits something else before it gets to us? Because if you're still getting hit and you're still getting rocked years after your divorce by the exact same behaviors, you haven't healed. There is a way to get your, I always say, get your sales out of their wind. So they can blow and blow, but your boat is on track to something that isn't bothered by their crazy. And so yeah. that's really my heart for people. That's great. That's great. And um, so now, again, going back to you deciding to become a certified divorce, uh, divorce coach, mm-hmm. how did that come about? Tell us more about that. Well, first I had to make an investment in my training. I was already a a licensed social worker, but I needed to expand my training to include coaching and, and divorce in particular. I already had my own models that I was working with, but I felt like that certification would sort of give some gravity to people being able to talk to me. And so it was an interesting thing where I said to myself, I'm going to see if my dad will finance my training for me. And I said out loud to myself, I'm going to do that. And then I I talked to, I've since remarried. I talked to my husband. I said, I'm thinking about asking my dad if he might invest in my training. And then I'd pay him back as I start to make money. And a couple of days went by and my husband came back to me and he said, if you're asking for investors, I would like to be an investor in your training. And And before I continue, is that your ex-husband? No, my current husband. husband. Yes, I remember. That's why I wanted to differentiate. Yes, uh, my current husband said, you know what? I don't want your dad to be the investor. I want to be the investor. I really believe in you. And I think this is going to go somewhere. And I said, oh, this is cool. And then it was interesting. I still didn't go sign up. And I'm like, what's my resistance here? What am I waiting for? Because to me, the barrier was money, right? We always use money as the barrier. And I was like, there's something else. And I remember I was sat right out here on my front porch and I was rocking in my rocking chair. And I said, I think the thing is, I want to invest in me. I want to be the one that pays for this because I want my self on the line to pay myself back to make this work. I don't want to be living in fear that they're not happy with me or that I didn't meet their results. I want to be afraid of my own self and meet my own results. And from that point forward, it, it just took off. And that was a really pivotal point for me when I realized this isn't about getting other people to help me. I can help myself. Awesome. That's, yeah. that's great. That's a, 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 an amazing uh, breakthrough for sure. Yeah. 
It was, and it has fueled a lot of what I've done since then, because, you know, it's one thing to get certified. It's another to spend several thousand dollars building a brand, getting the materials that you need, setting up all of the tech stack that you need to run a business. There's a lot of front end investment. And if you don't have a solid sense of, I can pull this off, it's going to fall apart and, and you might too, along with it. (laughs) That's great. So I can see that uh, from being feeling vulnerable, right? Being a stay-at-home mom and dedicated to, to your kids and your husband at that time. And now you have transition to like, hey, I can take care of myself. I can do this, right? I don't need to depend on anybody else. And that is huge. And that is something that I want more women to learn about, that they don't need to depend on anyone. Like when I say on anyone talking about from the government, from their boss, from their, uh, you know, like their significant other, right? Uh, Any assistant, right? That they can actually take charge and responsibility for themselves and their money and their finances. So I think that is great, right? It's not that we're going to reject any help, but it's about that, hey, if that help is not there, we can still do it, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, I always say to my clients that reactor and creator are spelled with the same letters, just rearranged. Yeah. And so what we want to do is move out of always feeling like things are happening to us to actually being the person who makes things happen. And that's a really hard transition to make right in the thick of divorce, but the more you can practice it, the, the better it'll be in the long run. I love that. That makes so much sense. I absolutely love that reactors being being creators instead of reactors. That's awesome. And then how do you help uh, your clients now? You know, I have a a program, Divorce Differently program, where I walk people through all of the things that make divorce recovery hard. We deal with what it means to co-parent well, what it means to parent your kids alone well, what it means to start communicating in ways that are supportive, not only to yourself, but also to the other partnerships you have with your former partner. We talk about overwhelm, finances, career, grief, loss. We're really learning how to put ourselves back together in a way that doesn't require our former partner to change in order for us to feel secure and rooted and possible again. So it's really about moving through divorce and divorce recovery starting to wake up that creator part of your brain so that you end up in a place that was designed by you for you instead of just defaulting into the, the whatever happens next is what happens next. Yeah. And I have one more question sure. um, because you're remarried. So um, what, what, you know, is there anything that you recommend for women that yes, they might have gone through a divorce or a bad divorce. It doesn't matter how the divorce was, but like that they can open themselves to like find uh, a relationship again. And that, uh, you know, that they, they can actually find that opportunity again to, um, I don't know how, how to call it, to, to get married again or to find the right partners, partners for themselves. Right. Yeah. I I would say as a divorce coach, the thing I worry most about is we all have somewhat of a broken picker after we go through divorce and we might attract to ourselves either the same of what we just left 
or the opposite, which can be just as dangerous. And so, you know, my, my friend, Emily Avagliano, she's a dating coach. She has studied the four elements that you want to make sure a future partner has. The first is empathy, making sure that they can see the world through your eyes. Second is appropriateness. Are they talking and doing things that are appropriate for the amount of time that you've known them? Reciprocity, meaning are they asking, telling, doing as much as you are? And then finally, maturity, which is how do they handle disappointment? And I will tell you, if you're on a date, be scanning for those four qualities. That will help you to know you're on the right track, especially the empathy one. Because if I have one client, I have 50 clients, all of whom their major complaint in their marriage and now in their divorce recovery is the lack of empathy in their former partner. So that's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for all the amazing knowledge and nuggets that you have shared with us today. I know that you have a gift for our audience. What is that gift? Yes, I have a free uh, practical guide for communicating with your former partner, even when they're difficult. It's 18 pages long. It takes you through a lot of the concepts that we talked about here. And I also want to offer a promo code to your uh, viewers in order to buy my book. If they'd like to buy it at a steep discount, they can enter the promo code SMARTWOMEN. That would website. be awesome. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So... Um, so aside from your book, I'm sure that you're recommending, is there any other books that you might uh, want that you're reading right now or that you would recommend our audience today? You know, I highly recommend this book. In fact, it's sitting right here. The Five Types of People Who Can Ruin Your Life by Bill Ooh. Eddy. And this is about high conflict people. And I find that maybe... 60% of my clients are working with some version of a high conflict person, which just means they're great at blaming. They have unmanaged emotions and they're kind of all over the board with veiled threats and things like that. Things that just make life with them really hard because they're not yeah. willing to be rational with you. Like and, narcissists and, too. Yes. Narcissists, sociopaths, uh, yeah. just people who can't regulate and manage themselves. So they pull you in to do it for them. So I highly recommend that for, for listeners awesome. who are struggling with a difficult person. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate um, that you have, uh, again, shared all of this with us. I, I am looking forward to learn more about you and, you know, everything that you're doing for the amazing women in this community as well. And again, make sure to click on the link so you can grab uh, Andrea's um, free gift that she has provided for all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Have a good day.